we want to talk from Titus chapter 2 about the spiritual dynamics of a healthy church. The spiritual dynamics of a healthy church. You remember here in the letter of Titus that, that Paul has dispatched Titus to the Isle of Crete. He has planted churches all over the Isle. And now he's going back and he's establishing leadership in each of those churches. Some of the things that he has to be aware of is all the false teaching and false doctrine that's out there. The unhealthy uh, teaching, if you will, that will do damage spiritually. And so he's really talked to Titus about, let's make sure that the leaders that we have in these churches are teaching the Word of God and that they're not deviating from the Word of God. That they're giving people the truth of God's Word. And that's sort of where we want to pick it up even in chapter 2 tonight. I want to share five things with you about the spiritual dynamics of a healthy church. I want to give you the explanation of this dynamic, the encouragement of this dynamic, the execution of this dynamic, the extent of this dynamic, and then the effect of this dynamic. I want to begin by explaining, or as Paul, I should say, explains the dynamic, if you will, of a spiritually healthy church. Verse 1, Titus chapter 2. But as for you, in contrast to the false teachers that he's talked about in chapter 1, those who have deviated from the Scripture, those who are misleading whole families, he says, down in verse 11, they must be silenced. So he's contrasting Titus with all of these false teachers. And he's saying, but as for you, communicate, speak, teach, preach the behavior that goes with sound teaching. That is really the explanation of this dynamic that is the foundation of a healthy church. First of all, it starts with communication. It starts with speaking. It starts with teaching. It starts with preaching, if you will, proclaiming. But then he goes on to say it's got to be sound teaching. And we've talked about this. Sound words, sound teaching, teaching that brings soundness to something. When you and I, even in, in, our, in our day and age, talk about something as sound, that means that it's, it's got stability to it. That, that it's, it's running the way it's supposed to run. That it's functioning the way it's supposed to function. It, it's something that is sound. And he's saying that this kind of teaching will produce, you know, fitness and spiritual health and all of these things. So what Paul is saying here, and I want you to follow with me tonight, is basically he's starting with speaking, but he says, you got to speak the truth. You've got to speak the truth of God's Word. It's got to be sound teaching. It's got to be healthful teaching. Speak the truth. Now, I want to stop there for a moment. Because that may seem sort of maybe self-evident and elementary to us. But we live in a day and an age where speaking the truth and teaching truth and proclaiming the truth and preaching the truth, even in local churches, is something that we should not take for granted. I don't know how many of you ever heard or are involved at all or know of somebody that's involved in what's called the emerging church movement. It's been around for a decade or so. Can I tell you, if you don't know anything about it, you're not missing a thing. And here's why. The basis of the emerging church movement is we just get together and we don't teach. We don't speak God's word. We don't preach. We just get together and fellowship 
and maybe watch a few films every once in a while, and that's how we grow as a Christian. And many churches today have lessened, if you will, the importance of communicating sound teaching. And yet Paul is saying to Titus, this is the foundation for a spiritually healthy church. This is the dynamic. You see. So we have got to be, if we want to be a spiritually healthy church, in all levels, we've got to be communicating the truth. Speaking truth at all levels. Let me give you some other examples right here in our church. Crystal attempts to do that in our children's ministry. Communicating the truth to those children. Nicole is very sensitive about making sure that the songs that she picks out is communicating truth about God and with God, if you will, to us. From God to us. That's important to her. Because we understand, if we are going to be a spiritually healthy church, it starts with communication. And communication of the truth of God. As Jesus said, you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And whether it's in our children's ministry, our youth ministry, our worship ministry, the ministry of the word, wherever, whatever level it is, women's ministry, men's ministry, whatever kind, we have got to focus on communicating sound teaching. But then it doesn't stop there. Notice he says, even before the sound teaching, he said, communicate the behavior that goes along with sound teaching. So, speak truth, truth that will transform. That's really the essence of chapter 2, verse 1. Speak truth that transforms. It's not, again, just information that we are handing out. As we've said before, the Bible is not for information, it's for transformation. And there's always got to be that connection. See, if, if we're not being transformed by the Word of God, then we're not fully allowing the work of God to take place in our lives. Until we are transformed, until it affects our behavior, until it affects our lifestyle, then the work of God only is going so far and then it's stopping. And Paul is saying to Timothy, or to Titus here, that if you and I are going to be part of a spiritually healthy church, then we've always got to focus on not just communication, but communication of God's truth. And it's always got to be with the focus of truth that transforms lives. It's always got to be applicable. We've always got to seek to apply it. And we've even got to build, in a sense, within our people an expectation and an anticipation that every time we come to the house of God, every time we come to assemble together, that we are coming wanting and desiring to be changed. Wanting God to do a work in our heart that transforms us and that changes the way we live and changes our behavior. Whether, again, it's through our worship, whether it's through the Word, whether it's through praying, whatever, whatever is going on in our local church, Paul is saying, here's the foundation of a spiritual healthy church. This is the dynamic I'm laying out. Communicate behavior that is based on sound teaching. So it's speak truth that transforms. And that's where it all starts. That is the explanation of this spiritual dynamic. And, and that's why... It's so important even for me as the pastor. Look, I don't know 
Just like you don't know exactly where I'm at, I don't know exactly where you're at and what maybe you're dealing with in your life and what you're struggling with. So it's not my job to make the application for you. All my job is, in a sense, my responsibility is to speak the truth. Then the cool thing is, the Bible says that what happens there then is if I'm open and I'm coming saying, God, now I want you to take your truth and I want you to change me, then the Holy Spirit who lives within us will help us each individually make that application to our life where we need it. Because obviously, I don't, I don't know where you need that applied just any more than you know exactly where I need that truth applied in my life. So that's why we've got to, in a sense, push people, if you will, or gently pressure them to make that last connection with God. To not stop short of application in their life. That it's got to be truth that changes our behavior. Truth that transforms our lives. Now, Notice what else he says here in Titus chapter 2. He gives us the encouragement of this dynamic. And what I want to do is read these 10 verses quickly to you tonight. But as for you, communicate the behavior that goes with sound teaching. Older men are to be temperate, dignified, self-controlled, sound in the faith, in love, and in endurance. Older women, likewise, are to exhibit behavior fitting for those who are holy, not slandering, not slaves to excessive drinking, but teaching what is good. In this way, they will train the younger women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be self-controlled, pure, fulfilling their duties at home, kind, being subject to their own husbands so that the message of God may not be discredited. Encourage younger men, likewise, to be self-controlled, showing yourself to be an example of good works in every way. In your teaching, show integrity, dignity, and a sound message that cannot be criticized so that any opponent will be at a loss because he has nothing evil to say about us. Slaves are to be subject to their own masters in everything, to do what is wanted and not talk back, not pilfering, but showing all good faith in order to bring credit to the teaching of God our Savior in everything. Now, in this passage, what you have here then is an encouragement of this dynamic in the local church. And what is that encouragement? That our personal growth as a Christian our striving to mature as a Christian is not simply a private matter. You see what's going on here? My life can positively affect your life in the local church. We are to come together as God's people and rub shoulders with each other and connect with each other because God wants to use our lives as we're growing and maturing to positively affect other people in the local church. And how can we do that if we're not having relationships with each other? We'll talk about that in a moment. But the encouragement is this. God wants to use your life and my life in the local church to be an encouragement to my brothers and sisters in Christ. You see. And, and can I say, this passage, as well as any other passage in the New Testament, is a, a really defining argument from God. That, that blows people out of the water who say, yes, I'm a Christian, but I don't need to be part of a local church. I don't need to go to church. I can isolate myself. I can just worship God on my own. I can serve God on my own. That is a very shallow understanding of the scriptures here. Because as, as you see here, being part of a body of, of believers, being part of a community of Christians 
isn't about me. It's about me and how my life can impact others. And if I stay away from my brothers and sisters in Christ, then they cannot benefit from my spiritual growth and maturity. They cannot benefit from the gifting that God has given me. They cannot benefit from, from all those things. And, and on the other side, same thing. If we don't come, then how can we benefit from others? And you see that dynamic. And that's the encouragement of this dynamic. That God wants us to come together and it's so important. And that's why the writer of Hebrews says, let's not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is. But encouraging one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. You see, the dynamic here is, all of us in the church are to come together, rub shoulders with each other, be iron that sharpens iron, and that's how God works on all of us through all of us. That's the encouragement. That's why no Christian should ever get up any day and go, I don't have a purpose for living, or I don't know what my purpose is. You you will find your purpose if you invest in your brothers and sisters in Christ, in your local church, and you come to a church where you are growing and you're maturing, and all of a sudden that growth and that maturity and that experience of walking with God and all of those things that God's doing in your life is going to start overflowing out of your life and spilling on to other people around you, you see. And that's why God wants to encourage us. He's saying, look... You keep following me and you're going to see pretty soon that your life is going to start positively affecting and influencing and impacting all these other people. And as I, again, I've shared with you before, we can impress people from a distance, but we can only influence them up close. And that's why God calls us to come together. And that's the encouragement of it. You can't benefit from me. I can't benefit from you unless we're together. If we're never together, then how can I benefit from you and how can you benefit from me? So that's the encouragement of this dynamic. Now notice the execution of this dynamic. And I wanted to read the whole passage and that way I won't have to go back and necessarily read it all. How is this dynamic executed? Well, notice first of all in verse 3, older women here specifically exhibit behavior. In other words, be an example. But then he also says at the end of verse 3, teaching what is good. So there's the balance between my life and, and my words, what I'm saying. Yes, teaching is important. Communicate. You know, it is important. But it's got to be backed up by a good example. Notice he says the same thing to men. Verse 7, showing yourself to be an example of good works. But then he also goes on to say, in your teaching... So there's that balance between teaching and living it. Living it out. Living out the Word of God as we've already talked about. But I want to focus too on one word here in the midst of this whole passage. And that's the very first word of verse 6. And it's the word encourage. That's, to me, the greatest way that this dynamic is executed. To come alongside of one another and instead of criticizing one another... Instead of saying, here's what you, you know, uh, you, you did it wrong or something like that, that we literally put our arms around each other and say, hey, let's do this together. That's encouragement. Coming alongside of one another, putting our arms around each other and saying, let's do this together. 
as partners. Let's, let's join up and do this. That's that whole concept of parakaleo. It's why the Holy Spirit is called, you know, the great encourager as well. He comes alongside of us and he seeks to just sort of wrap his arm around and say, come on, let's, let's go, let's do this. And so much more can be done when we execute these things through encouraging one another than, you know, criticizing one another or whatever. But I also want you to see again in this passage that the way this is all executed is through relationships. It's through relationships. If I don't have relationships with my brother and sister in Christ, how can this dynamic be executed? How can the communication of behavior that goes with sound teaching be executed unless we come together and we spend time together? It can't. By the way, I I just want to say that... uh, I have heard from so many men that went on the men's retreat this past weekend that it was just amazing, amazing, an amazing weekend. That God was there, God was working, and that that just thrills my heart to hear as a pastor of how God was working in the men's retreat. It's things like that, why the women do things. It's, It's why we as a church, we... You know, you, you break off, you have different groups, you have small groups, you have all these things. How, how does that, because that's the way this dynamic is executed. It's executed through relationships. Now notice the extent of this dynamic. You'll notice here in this passage of scripture, first of all, that the word of God is to be brought to bear in the local church upon every person. There's no one that escapes it. Notice he says, Older men, younger men. Older women, younger So in other words, it doesn't matter what your age is, what your station in life is. It doesn't matter whether you're male or female, whether you're slave or free. He is saying here that everybody in those local churches, the word of God is to come to bear on. There's no one that's exempt. Every one of us is supposed to be touched by and transformed by and be transformed by the word of God. You see, so no one escapes, you know, no one's absolved of that responsibility. It touches everybody. You'll notice something else here. I'm sure you noticed in the passage as I did that it's not only every person, it's every place. Notice it's not only to affect the church, the local church, it's to affect the home. It's to affect our workplace, where we go to work, if we have some kind of vocation outside the home. In other words, everywhere we go. This dynamic is supposed to affect us. And this is why a passage like this, again, totally blows out of the water anyone who believes in compartmentalizing their Christianity. As if, well, my, my life with God is here, and then it affects this part of my life, but, but I don't want it to affect all these other parts. No, God says, if, I, if, you, if you are allowing me to do what I want to do in your life, every part of your life, will be touched by me. There there won't be anything that is not affected by me and by my word and by my spirit. Home, work, church, everything is affected. Like I said, every season of life. Younger people obviously have different challenges than older people, but he's saying it's all applicable The Spirit will take it and apply it however He needs to in each season of life. Male and female, obviously. Differences between men and women. But the Holy Spirit will take His truth and He will apply it. So again, no one is exempt. The extent of it goes way, way out. 
In fact, you'll notice in verse uh, 7 that he says, in every way, showing yourself to be an example of good works in every way. That pretty much covers everything, right? Well, if you think not, then go over to verse 10, where the very last phrase says, in order to bring credit to the teaching of God our Savior in what? Everything. Yeah, that pretty much covers it all. That's the extent of this dynamic. There is no part of our life, there is nothing that you and I could be involved in. Nothing. Nothing that we do. Nowhere that we go that God doesn't want to be a part of. And that His Word doesn't want to rule and reign in our lives, affecting us everywhere that we go. So, let me just quickly review. We've seen the explanation of this dynamic that brings spiritual health to a local church. It is speaking always, continually speaking the truth, truth that leads to transformation. But then he says, here's the encouragement. Your Christian life and my Christian life isn't just for us. All that God is doing in my life isn't just to stay with me. God wants to use my life and your life to touch other people's lives. That's the encouragement. We always have a purpose in our lives because God always wants to use what's happening with us to spill out and overflow to others. The execution of this is simply through relationships. And it comes through being an example. It comes through teaching. But it mostly comes through encouraging. I don't know about you, but in my 55 years on planet Earth, I have gotten a lot further with people by encouraging them than any other way. Encouraging. And that's the way God does with us. In fact, a verse you're going to hear, or verses you're going to hear Sunday from the message, coming up on Sunday. Listen to the words of Jesus here. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And then listen to these next words Jesus says. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy to bear, my load is not hard to carry. Jesus says, I'm gentle with you. Jesus is not a harsh taskmaster. Jesus doesn't come into our life and whip us into shape. Jesus doesn't demand. Jesus is that loving shepherd who goes ahead of us and keeps saying, come on, sheep, follow me, follow me. And so we can learn a lot about how Jesus interacts with us and how we should interact with others. And then again, the extent of this dynamic, no one is exempt. Every person in the church, young, old, women, men, slave, free, it doesn't matter. Home, vocation, church, in every way, in everything, it goes to everything. And now finally, the effect of this dynamic. What happens when Christians place themselves in a healthy church where this spiritual dynamic is being worked out on a regular basis? First of all, I'll direct your attention back to the end of verse 5, even though this is specifically uh, 
geared towards the younger women, the principle applies to all of us. So that the message of God may not be discredited. So that we, as I've said before in the weeks of studying Titus, we can wear the Word of God well in our lives. The word discredited, again, means to detract, diminish, and devalue. So Paul here is saying to to Titus, and obviously in this context to the younger women, don't wear the Word of God in a way that will diminish God's Word and diminish the God behind it. Don't live in a way or exhibit behavior that will devalue God and His Word. Show people by the way that we live that God really knows what He's talking about and that God has it right. And that God's ways are the best ways. So that when other people in the world choose not to go God's way and they look at us as Christians and they see that we are thriving no matter what our circumstances, that we are joyful even when trials come, that we have a peace that passes all understanding and all these things, we have a hope that cannot be diminished. They scratch their heads and go, maybe there's something to that. Having God in my life. Maybe there's something to having Jesus in my life. Because that's what they boast about. That's what they talk about. And it seems to be making a positive difference in their life. Notice there's another effect of this dynamic. In verse 8, Paul says to Titus, and a sound message that cannot be criticized so that any opponent will be at a loss because he has nothing evil to say about us. Basically what Paul's saying is, when you and I as Christians are part of a healthy church, and we're growing and maturing, and we're wearing the Word of God well, we will not be handing the opponents of God ammunition to use against us. So often, the church, meaning you and I as Christians, we literally hand the opponents of Christ ammunition by the way that we live. They don't have to come up with stuff. We give them stuff. And Paul says... Don't give them stuff. Live in such a way that they will have to really work hard to find something to criticize you about. Wow! That's pretty incredible, isn't it? But you know what? The Bible promises us that. You know what God says in His Word? He says, When a man's ways please the Lord, God makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Whoa! Pretty incredible, huh? And when you think about it, think about the stories in the Bible, stories that we tell to our children. Daniel. You know? Daniel was thrown in the lion's den, but all of a sudden he was vindicated and he was honored. How about his three friends? They stood up for the Lord in spite of what went on, and then they were honored and the people that tried to kill them were thrown into the furnace and died. And Nebuchadnezzar and others in that empire that were not God-fearing before that, at least the God of the Hebrews, became very respectful of the God of Daniel. Why? Because Daniel delighted himself in the Lord. And God gave him the desires of his heart. One other effect of this dynamic, the very last verse, verse 10, 
again, specifically in this context, to the servants or slaves, to those in the workforce that are working for others. And he says, live this way in order to bring credit to the teaching of God our Savior. In other words, through the way we live, we are to demonstrate, to evidence the power of God at work in us. We are to live in such a way that as we put the Word of God on, as it's transforming and changing us, it is appealing to others. It is attractive to others. It is compelling to others. That's what it means to bring credit to the teaching of God our Savior. As I've said to you before, there's another translation that I actually like. It says, to adorn the doctrine of God. Literally, to, to, to wear it. To put on the Word of God in such a way that it's attractive to others. That it doesn't repel them. That it, it doesn't, you know, repulse them. That it's actually something by the way we wear the Word that they want to know more. That they want to find out more. That we are drawing them not to us, but we are drawing them to the God who wrote the Word and who is behind the Word. That's what God wants to see in His people. And that's a spiritually dynamic church. And these are the kind of churches that Paul said, Titus, you need to establish these kind of churches and you need to lay this out to all the leaders of those churches. This is what you're going after. This is your goal. This is the dynamic of a spiritually healthy church. Communicate behavior that goes along with sound teaching. Keep speaking the truth that transforms. Because God wants to use our lives to positively impact each other. The way we execute that is through our relationships with each other. The extent of it is nothing is exempt. And the effect of it is wonderful. The effect of it is we actually bring value to God. We vindicate His Word by the way that we live. We affirm that He's actually got it right when we trust Him and we live the way He's called us to live. And we also don't hand the enemy ammunition to speak against Him or us or His Word. And then we can adorn ourselves we can literally clothe ourselves in such a way with the Word of God, with the teaching of Jesus Christ, that it literally compels other people. It's like, I want what you've got. And isn't that what Peter said? He said in 1 Peter 3.15, to sanctify or set the Lord God apart in your hearts and be always ready to give an answer to anyone who asks you a reason of the hope that's in you. In other words, Peter is implying the fact that you and I can live in such a way that we won't have to go to others, that others will actually come to us and go, what's up with you? Why are you so strange? Why are you able to have such peace and joy and love and hope and confidence? Well, let me tell you how. And all of a sudden it opens up this wonderful opportunity to witness. Let me leave you with this challenge tonight. Speaking of the word opportunity, the word opportunity actually was born from seafaring or navigation of the seas. It literally was a concept that meant toward the port. And before there were these harbors 
And before there were these, you know, mighty ships with engines and stuff, the, the way that ships had to get to land was just to wait until the tide brought them in. And that was their opportunity. If they missed those waves, if they missed that tide, guess what? They had to sit on that ship and wait till that next tide came around. They missed the opportunity. As followers of Jesus Christ, we have an opportunity here. In these last days before Jesus comes back, we have the opportunity as brothers and sisters in Christ to move our ship forward, if you will. To hit the shore and to really focus on why God put us here in the first place. And that every one of us who knows the truth of God should be able to wake up every day and go, God, I know why I'm alive today. I know what my purpose is. You want to grow me and mature me with your truth and you want to transform my life and then you want to use me to positively impact and influence others around me. That's what it's all about. May that be our desire as well. Thanks for putting up with me tonight. <laughs> Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word that transforms. There is power in the word of God. And God, we have also experienced tonight that there is power as we worship you, God. That we can be dog-tired from a day. And yet if we just push ourselves just a little bit to worship you and to be in your word, God, there's something very energizing about it. Because you tell us, don't walk by sight. Walk in life by faith. Do the things that I, God, am telling you to do and you'll start to find out it works. It changes us. It transforms us. It energizes us. It revitalizes us. It restores us. It heals us. And so, God, we are so thankful that you didn't leave us here on this broken world with all of its problems without, Lord, the power to be able to rise above it all and to live a life that glorifies you and positively impacts others. You have given us the tools and resources we need. So God, I pray that even tonight, we may be reminded that through our worship of you, through our, the word, through our time in prayer, through our time in fellowship with our other brothers and sisters in Christ, that God, there's a dynamic that's taking place. May we not continue to isolate ourselves and keep ourselves from one another. We need each other. And we are called to make a positive impact on one another. Use us, God, in the days we have left on this earth. Get us excited about what you have for us and the opportunities that you are giving to us. Even right now in this season of life, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.